how do I start this again? <laughs> Please have that as the start. <laughs> I will. Welcome to A Tale of Two Booksellers with me, Fiona. And me, Kimmy. And we're back. Yes. After an accidental long hiatus. Yeah, we've been away for a while. <laughs> Oopsies. So we should probably start the episode by being, this is where we've been. Do you want to start? Because yours is like a really interesting, awesome bookish thing. So well, I can't, rem- I can't remember how, how much we've already talked about. I think you were about to launch Was it. I about to? Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. So I completed a very successful Kickstarter for a whole bunch of enamel pins and I've done a lot of pre-orders for enamel pins and I'm very excited. I've just confirmed the artwork for them so they should hopefully go into production this week and we should get them Yay! in a few weeks time. This is like my entire life and business right now is, is just this and after this podcast I'm going to pick Kimmy's brains to help me plan for next year. I may or may not have been brainstorming <laughs> ideas for two days. Oh, so yeah that's that's me. I'm trying to kickstart a career in design. Whoop. What about you? Um, work, health, mental health. Yeah, I'm falling apart. My cervical spine is basically eroding away, yep. uh, which means I am in a lot of pain a lot of the time. And when we've planned to record and stuff like that, it's all I've just been unable to gone, get out yeah. Sorry. Uh, but we seem to be moving with the medical side of things, so there are some answers, and I might start to feel better soon. Fingers crossed. I mean, crossed. it's a hereditary thing. It's always going to get worse, but we may be Hopefully able to like, next find some ways we'll, to manage yeah, it. We'll know a bit more about what, what we can do to, to help. And obviously so. that has meant that I have been so tired and so exhausted and so like down all the time because of being constantly in pain because i am officially a spoonie now yay but on the bright side we've read lots of things (laughs) yes we have and it's been a while since we've been able to actually get together and really talk about books which you know yeah i miss i don't know about you (laughs) because like we've been able to sort of meet and have brunch and stuff like mm. that but even that's not been as often no because i've been broken and we've been busy and yeah. life and work and jobs and yeah so Yay. hopefully next year we'll be able to make more time to do this kind of stuff and we'll yeah we'll be more organized we have plans to be a little bit more organized and we're probably gonna try putting some kind of schedule in next year we'll see, we'll see how, how it we works. go <laughs> <laughs> the plans there whether it actually comes to fruition who knows yay who knows but about those books that mm-hmm. we have read, because I've read an entire page worth here. Do you want to start us off? Yes, I'll try and be as quick as possible, because I'm sure that you guys have probably read a lot of these books, and if I didn't really enjoy it, I'm not going to talk about it that much, just to save a bit of time. So since the last time I read The Lost Witch by Melvin Burgess, which I'll be completely honest, I didn't really enjoy, so I'm just going to... Swiftly sw- move on. Swiftly onto the next film which was The Impossible by Mark Illis. That was another required reading because Mark was at the event with Melvin that I was chairing. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually enjoyed The Impossible more than I thought I would. It the cover it, looks like a really yeah. bad book. It's yeah, actually it quite good. It didn't have a lot of promo either, did it? Oh, no, like, like, until you mentioned it, I'd never heard of it. Then. But it had been on our shelf for like two years. That's it's oh, how weird. It? Yeah. Because like, huh. I, I didn't spot it until I'd been sent a copy of the book and I was like, whoa, what? wait. So That's yeah, so weird. Um, I don't think the Quirkus, the publisher, have put a lot into promoting this series, which is a bit of a shame because I think with a decent promotion and a decent cover, mm. it would have done a lot better yeah. than it did. Honestly, guys, co- covers, they say don't judge a book by its cover, but everybody does. Oh, yes. It makes a massive difference. You really need to have, I mean, we've spoken about old barn books before mm, and like their yeah. old covers versus what they're putting into yeah, their covers they've now. they've really sort of gone, oh shit, we need to do something about that. <laughs> and they look amazing and mm-hmm. they sit next to the mass market. And, and you wouldn't think that they no. weren't by a big publisher. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that was a little bit of a... <laughs> Sorry, um, I'm already going on tangents. <laughs> read Children of Blood and Bone by Tomi Adiemi just before we all went for mm-hmm. birthday dinner. dinner. Birthday dinner. Birthday dinner with her, mm-hmm. uh, which was awesome. It was a very, very good evening. Yes, mm-hmm. tasty food. Oh yeah, so nice. <laughs> <laughs> and read Leon the Offbeat, but we'll chat about yes. that a bit later. All of this is true by 
this is gonna be fun. Ligia de Peña Flor. I genuinely thought you had written the first name down wrong. No, it is actually oh, Ligia. Okay. Cool. I said I think I said Lydia on the last podcast, oh. and I was like, I'm gonna do this, and then I sort of got back and I was like, Oh no! But yeah, that was actually really a lot better than I thought. It was told in mixed media and interviews. And is this the one that's the like the author? Yes. Yes, yes uh, it's that one. So there's like three friends and the entire book is told, like alternates between the three friends being interviewed for a podcast. And that's how you build the story up. Why have I not read this? It's so good. You need to read it. It's, <laughs> okay, it's absolutely okay, I will, brilliant. I will put it really kept them going. It's really kind of, because everybody has a different thing. Yeah, point of view and the way, like the exact same things happen to everybody, but they all see it differently. Ooh. So it's pretty cool. Um, Why no, did you not force that on me sooner? I feel like we talked about it once and then you never mentioned it again. I don't think I'd read it when I, we spoke about it. No. And now that I have read it and then I've read all of this since <laughs> and then just forgot. Fair enough. And then I read Notes on a Nervous Planet by Matt Haig, which was brilliant because which obviously I'm it's Matt Haig. Currently reading. I mean, I actually think it was even better than Reasons to Stay Alive. I think it was a bit more relevant to today's yeah. society. Yeah. Um, I think Reasons to Stay Alive is a good place to start with his nonfiction. Yes. But I feel like this one is more directed at a specific area, which yep. very much applies to us. Yeah. Like, I've I've read part of it, and I'm sort of reading it in small doses, just because I'm It's that of, type of book. That's yeah, how I read it yeah. as well. And I'm yeah. post-it noting it, which I don't normally do with my books, but I'm like, I want to come back to this. And I know it's it's one of them good keepers. Yeah. I mean, I've just highlighted both my reasons to stay alive <laughs> and my notes on a nervous planet, just because it's that type of book. Yeah. You can just pick it up if you're having a bad day and just, like, open it at a random page and there's probably something that will make you smile on there, mm-hmm. so. After that, I read Catwoman Stole Stealer by Sarah J Maas, which is the DC Icons book that I've been really, really, really looking forward to, and it was absolutely brilliant and it was everything I wanted it to be. <laughs> I mean, you know how much I loved the Leigh Bardugo's Wonder Woman? Like, the same way that Leigh Bardugo was perfect to write the Wonder Woman story, I think that Maas was brilliant to write Selena's story. Really, really different to any Catwoman origin I've ever experienced mm. before. She also was very, very clever in the fact that she used the world that Marie Lou built up in Batman, even though it is set around two or three years after oh. Batman. So mm. you kind of have to have read, but there's a couple of characters that come from that to the other, and she's relied on Marie's setting up of the world so you might miss mm. the way that this Gotham is if you didn't read yeah. Nightwalker. Like, that's one thing that Marie Lou is very good at is, is world building. So I think obviously Mass must have seen that like she's built this brilliant world. I don't need to do too much on yeah. top of it. I need to focus on the story okay. and the yeah. characters. And she did and it was brilliant. <laughs> and then from there I moved on to Priory of the Orange Tree by Samantha Shannon. And it is so, 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 <laughs> so good. It is just an epic. It's a trilogy in one book, basically. Like um, you could kill someone with that book. But my god, it is so good. The characters were amazing. The worlds were amazing. Everything that happened, I I could have read. I could, well, to be honest, if she wants to make that a seven book series, I will read a seven book <laughs> no, series. No, we've waited long <laughs> enough. We've waited long enough for everything else. Oh, don't don't put the idea in head. It's so so. Good. I can't <laughs> wait till you've read Priory. I honestly cannot wait. It's your type of fantasy with yes. the dragons and everything. I'm very very excited for it. Uh, speaking of really exciting fantasy, Muse of Nightmares as well, the sequel to Strange the Dreamer. I think I preferred Strange the Dreamer, Um, but Muse of Nightmares is still really, 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 really good. And possibly my favourite part of the book is when she manages to tie together the Strange the Dreamer series with the Daughter of Smoke and Bone series in a single paragraph. One paragraph. And she manages to get the two series together, like, flawlessly. And I, I just thought that was just so clever. Like, I am really, so, so I'm really excited to get to to Muse of Nightmares when I've eventually read Strange of the Demon. Yep. Um, so that was brilliant. After that, I read A Sky Painted Gold by Laura Wood, which is a sort of like a nineteen twenties historical fiction. Because I did, I shared the event with Laura, which was really you did. cool. It was a like really a, nice day. Yeah, it was just a more of a 
it was yeah it was really chill and Um, like that was exactly what she wanted and she had a great time she literally was constantly like tell kimmy it's been really really good day i think like i had quite a few people who've never been to our events before come up and say like i didn't know you did this type of thing Mm -hmm. this is awesome so i thought it was a really good book i didn't expect to enjoy it as much as i did i was really wrapped up in it it was awesome after that i read curse so dark and lonely by bidget kamara and oh my god, everybody <laughs> needs to get this book when it comes out in January because it is everything I never knew I wanted. So it's a modern day retelling of Beauty and the Beast. The main character has cerebral palsy, but that is not even like a main character trait. And it's just part of. Yeah. As with all of Bridget Camaro's books, the characters are so real and so mm. like involved and the world was amazing and I finished that book and I think it took me five days (laughs) before I picked up another book after it because I was just like nothing. I I genuinely have not heard a bad thing about anyone who's read an advanced copy yet. I honestly like no other book could like I was looking at all the other books I was like nothing will match (laughs) up like I ended up well my next book was My Mum Tracy Beaker by Jacqueline Wilson so I was like I'm just gonna have to read like a kid's book something completely (laughs) different. Yeah. And that was a good choice because my mum, Tracy Speaker, was also excellent. It was just really comforting to be back in Jacqueline Wilson's world and the writing and just everything clicked. And I just, just the way that she writes just brought back memories of all of her other books and reading them Mm -hmm. as a kid. And I think it's really cool as well that, you know, it was sort of aimed at children, but also semi-aimed at the children who'd read her books who were no longer children. Like, I really like that. That is part of, like, the... she's been really clever about it as well because she she obviously knows there are two audiences to this book Mm. there's a usual audience and then there's the adult audience and there are some things that she just hints at which if i'd have read it as a child wouldn't have Have registered that as an adult you're just like oh this is a problem or like this is a and so it even though it is written for seven eight nine year olds it it's it's intelligent Mm. and clever enough for an adult to read so if you liked jackie wilson as a kid definitely pick it up because it came out this week yay (laughs) and then read misfit by charlie howard which was so much better than i thought it's a non-fiction book um because charlie used to be a model and she was dropped from her agency Mm -hmm. for being too fat this was while she was in the middle of battling anorexia and was basically skin and bones um this was kind of like a wake-up call for her she wrote um an open letter to her agent online it went viral so penguin asked her to basically write a book about her experience it is quite hard to read quite triggering but she does warn you of this in the front yeah it's like if you have an eating disorder do not read this book Mm -hmm. like she's very upfront about it and i feel like a lot of people need these kinds of books in this day and age because people are still not talking about certain topics enough yes and there's no support for some people until they stumble upon it kind of thing exactly yeah i think this would be a book that you can imagine if you read it when you were like 14 15 and then maybe in a few years you do start struggling with weight related Mm. issues and body dysmorphia to have read that book i think would be like a almost like a tool in the toolkit kind yeah. of something thing. you've it's got not, to turn to you know you've got yeah. something it's not a fix all but it's a case of like look i'm not alone yeah mm. i'm not alone I'm not the only person that's yeah. like this this is not my fault so yeah that was better than i expected then i read me mum me dad me by malcolm duffy what a title yeah it's <laughs> um the entire book's written in geordie as well which the other book i've read which was done that was ella gray by David, is it David Almond? Yes. Yes. Which I loved. I didn't love this as much. I think it was written for, well, the language seems like it was written for younger teens, mm. but the stuff it talks about feels like it was written for older teens and it just doesn't add Okay, up. interesting, yeah. I didn't connect with it at all, I didn't. But I mean, could it be used as a tool for, say, older readers who are struggling? Probably, yes. Um, Especially because of the regional. It never specifically says. I get the feeling that the main character does maybe have learning uh, disability. Okay. Not like a full... Yeah, but there's something... Issues. Yeah. But it never goes into that. And I think I would probably have enjoyed enjoyed it a bit more. 
had if he had but it was just like just ignore this the way that he is and i was like something wasn't right there for me so I moved on to that to Pages and Co. Uh, Tilly and the Book Wanderers by Anna James, which is brilliant. It's it's a middle Again, grade. I've heard nothing but great things about it. It is so good. So Tilly uh, lives in her grandparents' bookshop with her grandparents. Obviously. The dream. Yep. Um, and then one day she's walking through Bryce on the Shelves and Alice in Wonderland appears just in the shop and she's just like I'm going crazy and then Anne of Green Gables appears and she's like I'm really going crazy but it turns out that Tilly um, is part of a book wandering community and can basically wander in and out of her favourite stories then it goes into an adventure and there's going to be a whole series and I'm going to read every single one of them (laughs) because this is the book that if you'd have put this in my hands when I was 10 years old it would have probably beaten Harry Potter for me just because I feel like this book was written for childhood me and I was just Mm -hmm. like oh this is so good and then i read at the back um anna's sort of speaking about how the book came about and yeah she basically wrote the book that she, she wanted. wanted yeah and i think well that's it isn't it that's what they say it's like you know write the book you want to read exactly and i think that works so so well because you can tell that that's what she's done yeah. from there i went finally read the poet x by elizabeth acevedo which is all written in prose which mm-hmm. is something i'm not usually a fan of I really enjoyed this. I um, took me a while to sort of get used to it, and then I just flew through the rest of it in a single day. I really liked the main character and the way that she introduces herself to you through this prose, but bit by bit by bit by bit, so you you feel like you're getting to know her throughout the story. It deals with like the Me Too movement, it deals with race, it deals with family problems, it deals with religion, it deals with so many things but really, really beautifully well. yeah so recommend that i've only got four more books left and i'll be really quick <laughs> um the mystery of the color of faith by ever joseph cool hey if I'm you can not... if you could say that i will, I will uh be um, which was a again a middle grade book uh, about a girl who's suffering with depression she doesn't really know she's suffering with depression yeah. though which is the color thief really cute book didn't stand out massively mm. to me. I think there are a lot of books that are on, along those lines at the moment, and I think it just blends in with the rest of them. Then read The Truth About Lies by Tracy Darnton, which felt kind of wee liars just not as good, I don't think. Yeah. Um, you know, uncover the mystery. What happened in the past that she's not talking about? Mm. Blah, 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 blah. Bit formulaic. Yeah. Yeah, so I'd probably put that about 6 out of 10. Then The Train to Impossible Places by P.G. Bell, which we picked up at London Book Fair, Fair. which is actually really fun. Is it good? Really, really fun. Kind of very How to Train Your Dragon-y. Oh, don't Um, tell me that. (laughs) Minus the dragons, obviously, (laughs) Obviously. but with trolls instead. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I wasn't expecting much from it and ended up being like really, really enthralled by it. I love when that happens. Yeah. And then lastly, uh, In Your Light by Annalie Granger, and I DNF'd it. It's very, very rare that you DNF book. Exactly. I had no interest in it. I had no interest in the characters. Story didn't grip me. I just didn't want to read it. So, well, that's a way to end your list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm currently, well, about to start reading Ella on the Outside by Kath Howe, which is a middle grade UK book. I don't know much more than that. Cool. So I'm just going into that one blind. Sometimes it's the best thing to do. Yeah. So what have you read? I have, have also a very long list. <laughs> not as long as yours, but <laughs> um, I have audiobooked a bit more this past sort of like month as well, which has been good. I started off with Listen to Your Heart by Casey West, which I did listen to as an audiobook because Scribbid had a whole bunch of Casey West books and they're really, really easy to listen to and just super chill. So I'm pretty sure I just like did a whole day's work while I listened to that because it's about eight hours long. I think I long. remember you saying yeah. because you gave, because you had the hard copy of the book. No, that was a different one. Uh, P.S. I like you. Ah, uh, okay. Because I ended up buying the book and then I listened to it as an audio. I was like, oh well. I then read My Hero Academia volumes 13, 14, and 15 over the space of the last however many months. <laughs> we now have that on like pre order at Traveling Map. <laughs> they are the first ones in the country to get it. And I'm like, I need this in my life, please and thank you. They're so good at Traveling Map, though. They're so, so good, honestly. I was like, can you just order everything for me, please? Thanks. They made me happy. Yeah. I then read a whole load of other manga. Some Kakapta Sakura, Claire Card Arc Volume 4, Takane and Hannah Volume 3 and 4, 
which is a really fun contemporary series and I love it probably a little bit too much because it's kind of weird but I love it. I think you spoke about it on the last one and I remember I've thinking that it, actually sounds really... It's, it's <laughs> really just sort of stupid but I think in some ways it kind of reminds me of mine and Karen's relationship which is kind of stupid, <laughs> so it just has a lot of, I don't yeah. know, feelings. It's, but it's those great. those are the best type of books, though, the ones that are, like, completely ridiculous and you just have so much fun. Exactly, exactly. Um, I then read Hori Mia, volume 11, which is also very, very good, but so slow coming out. Um, and then to actual, you know, books that I've read, um, mm. The Last Namsara by Kristen Cicerelli? Yeah, Who knows? Let's go with that. Which I put off reading for so so long and I don't know why and it was amazing it's I basically a proof of that yeah sure. it's basically yeah. how to train your dragon but with deadlier dragons and slightly older teenagers and a lot more blood and death and amazingness it's so freaking good I then read Fruits Baskets another volume one which is a new spin-off from the creator of Fruits Basket I'm really excited because it's all like their kids and stuff and I'm just like yes give me more in this world I just need it <laughs> um honestly like I, I just yeah I've been thinking about Fruits Basket a lot lately so I'm just kind of obsessing about them I then read Ramona Blue by Julie Murphy I had this as an audiobook um I was traveling with my family for the weekend um, so I was stuck in a car with my brother and his girlfriend in the back of a really small car for two days. So I uh, listened to that because I went to a book club, which is hosted by Sarah and Sophie. Yes, yes. <laughs> we like Sarah and Sophie, don't we? We do. Um, who I will make sure I leave their link to their blog in the description of this episode. <laughs> um, but I really enjoyed Ramona Blue and I really enjoyed being able to discuss it in depth. Um, with a bunch of other people I'd never met before. It was actually really fun. Um, one day I will make it. You to will, one of these yes. book club. But you it will. always seems really to be good. when I'm working or when I'm crippled. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there eventually. Um, I then read A Thousand Beginnings and Endings, which is edited by Ellen O and Elsie Chapman. I thought this was okay, but I think in a weird way I've kind of started outgrowing short story collections. I don't seem to enjoy them as much anymore. I used to enjoy them when I was young, mm. but I think like as soon as I hit sort of mid-teens, that's when I started to grow out of them. Yeah. So yeah, and I read a few a couple of years ago that I really enjoyed, and then the last like three or four I've tried to read have been like meh. But I think I just I want so much more from a book now. Yeah, I, I'm I guessing. It, yeah, the feeling of like incomplete. I then listened to Golden Hand by Garth Nix only two and a bit years after it was published <laughs> um, and it's not like I had a proof or anything way before it was published I was about to say I remember proofs from that coming in like, <laughs> and I lost my fucking mind I really enjoyed Golden Hand I thought it was just a really nice add on to the series but not something that you necessarily have to listen to listen to you have to read um, for the series because a lot of the time I still treat Sabriel as a standalone book like I yeah. like L'Oreal and Abhorsen but Sabriel is just such a wonderful piece of work that I just love it as yeah. a whole. So I'll stop talking about Garth Nix now because we could be here all day. See, I was going to say um, just a quick Garth Nixian side thing. It's like what Lauren James says with Lyriel though. She reads mm. Lyriel as a standalone and she mm -hmm. reads it again and again yeah. and again. And that's exactly what I do with Sabriel. Yeah. Sabriel is my comfort book. Like if I'm having a really shit time, I will go and find like the audiobook version of Sabriel because that is my 13 year old <laughs> like comfort read um and I will just listen to it anyway moving swiftly onwards <laughs> um I then read Waiting for Spring volume 7 which is a another really fun contemporary sports uh manga which I also love probably a little bit too much I'm really getting into sports anime manga <laughs> Karen and I started watching a new sports anime yesterday and after two episodes we're obsessed so I don't know what where that's coming from, but that's a thing now. Um, I then read Anonymous Noise Volume 7 and 8, which is a music-based manga, which is really fun. And then I read Leon the Offbeat, which we're going to talk about in a bit more depth after I've done waffling. <laughs> I then read The Cage Queen by Kirsten Cicerelli. So the way that the Last Namsara and The Cage Queen work is they're actually two standalone books set in the same ah, world, okay. but The Cage Queen is set after but it doesn't follow the main characters of The Last Namsara. It's very, very different. Like, The Last Namsara is, like I said, like a grown-up 
uh, How to Train Your Dragon kind of thing. Whereas, like, The Caged Queen, I would say, is more like a Maria V. Schneider book. Okay. So, like, totally different in style and tone. Like, I was really sort of thrown at first. I definitely prefer The Last Namsara over The Caged Queen. There was just something so much more about it. Yeah. Like, The Caged Queen, to me, is a much slower book. Fair enough. It sounds very similar to, um, you know, Melinda Salisbury's trilogy. Yes. So... Sunita's daughter was the first one, and the second one was oh, the pr- prince? prince, something prince. Yeah, the last one was so, Scarecrow or something. I don't know. Yeah, so the first two, like I haven't read Scarecrow Queen. I assume they bring it all back together, but the first mm. two were again like two the second separate. one was set after the first one, but it was a completely different set of characters in a completely different land mm. in a completely different, and then it was like right at the end. Like, the two books converge. Yeah, that's exactly what happened in The Cage Queen. Uh. Suddenly the characters from the first one appeared, and you're just kind of like, okay, cool. Okay. But I just wasn't as impressed with it as I was Last Namsara. I suppose, like, you kind of need that third book to sort of bring everything together. Yeah, I think had I read them, because I read them not necessarily back-to-back, but only sort of with, like, a month or a month and a half between the two. But hey, who knows? I then listened to A Touch of Gold by Annie Sullivan, which I think is probably my least favourite book on this sort of list. Um, so it is about the... Everything he touches turns to gold. Thank you, yes. Um, <laughs> my brain has just shut down and I don't know why. Uh, but basically it's about um, the daughter who was turned to gold, but then they managed to turn her back. But she's basically sort of like cursed. Her skin is like a sheen of gold and no one wants to look at her, no one wants to touch her and okay. all about all these things and this is adventure. To be honest, I skipped half the audiobook because I was really Ooh. bored. <laughs> not a good time. I know what happens in the end and to be honest, I don't think I missed anything by not listening to most uh, of the middle. okay. <laughs> so, yeah, hence why I'm just kind of like, it's a book about the thing. I don't know, just not as good as I was expecting. I then read Almost Adulting by Arden Rose. I really which, need to read that. Oh, I actually audiobooked it. I was really surprised about how much I liked it because I was like I'll just put this on it's a couple of hours long you know it just sounds really chill she suffers with trick and I had no idea uh, yeah. whenever um I think it was I Am Thunder by Mohammed yeah. Khan like all it was was a mention of PCOS and I was just like oh my god yeah, but like she has mentioned like almost a whole chapter just on trick and I had no idea and I was just like I had absolutely no idea and I was like yeah that that's me yeah that's me yeah I do that and I was just kind of like, I understood myself a bit better. I think it sometimes, yeah, it takes you seeing it in someone else or in another character. Yeah. So, so yeah. you get to see it from the outside looking mm-hmm. in, so you understand it a bit better. Yeah. Because, so. like, you know, with the Kickstarter and everything, my trick went through the fucking roof. Holy crap. Like, it's it's more under control now. And then lastly, I read Warcross and Wildcard by Marie Lou. I was really excited about these books and to be honest, they weren't as great as I was hoping. There was only like one plot point in the entire two books that I didn't see coming. Oh. Everything else was very formulaic and like I still like Marie Lou's characters and the world, the world she built was fantastic. Like that is one yeah. thing she excels at is world building. But I was like, I know exactly what's gonna happen. Yep, that's what happened. I know exactly what's gonna happen. Yep, that's what happened. Like, it wasn't bad. It's a bit of disappointment, I think. Yeah, I really felt like she could have pushed some more boundaries with it. Mm. But, you know, it was like, super famous hot guy of company, young girl does something accidentally, sort of catches his attention. That kind of like, Uh. starting point, and it didn't really go as far as I wanted it to. Like, imagine, like, I don't know how many times I've said this. Imagine if it had been, instead of, like, this dude CEO, it had been a woman, a, you know, a teenage. Shades of grey. Yeah, Whereas, you know, like, flip it on his head, what if the roles were reversed and it wasn't the traditional, you know, the guy oh being God, the CEO? Like, like, I would, so... I would pay so much money to read that and for it to just have, you know, crazy shit happening. Like, yeah. that is my dream. Like, that's what I want. So I just, I just felt like Warcross didn't quite give me enough. But, I mean, they're still good reads, and there were some references. There was a reference to World of Warcraft in the first one that made me literally laugh out loud on the street. Fair so, enough. I mean, you know, there were good parts of it. It was just the overall wasn't as good as I wanted it to be. I might get so around to them one day. But I'll probably start with the Legend series first. Yeah, the my, Legend series is, like, the best. My first Marie Lee book was, everyone said, is, is the worst, was mm, the Nightwalker. Mm. But you've given me Legends, so I'll probably just 
go yeah, with legend that, so. is just literally like thinking about it just makes my heart hurt <laughs> um and lastly i'm currently reading notes on a nervous planet by matt haig and i'm currently listening to lifelike by jay christoph um which i am so far enjoying yay surprisingly so so on the last podcast we set our challenge book i'm doing the finger quotes here um, <laughs> Air quotes as lay on the offbeat by yes. becky albertalli because we both had it on our tbrs mm-hmm. and both really wanted to read it so what did you think I was not as blown away as I wanted to be by it. I think Love, Simon is in a slightly different league. I think Love, Simon is a little bit too perfect to try and follow. (laughs) Yeah, like, I I understand why a lot of people were excited about this book and why we were excited about this book, because Leah is a great character from the outside. But when you're inside her head, it's hard to not have a love-hate relationship with her because yeah. she is such a hard character to understand. She's very, and very conflicted. I, underst- I, I, I get that, but it's really hard to read about at the same time because part of you really dislikes her. Yeah. But you don't want to dislike her. Yeah, and part of you does actually really like her, like, yeah. as a friend. It's yeah. like one of those friends that you just like, I really, really like you, but you can get really annoying sometimes. Yeah. I think I agree. I did enjoy it. I did mm. not enjoy it anywhere near as much as I love, love Simon. Yeah. The I will bring up the thing that everybody had issue with, which I think everybody completely missed the point. Like, oh my God, I can't believe she said this. I think it was about, you're either bisexual or you're not. Yeah. And it's I can see where that anger is coming from. Like, oh, I can't believe she said that. But when you read it in the context of the book... Mm-hmm. Lee's supposed to be wrong. Yeah. She's supposed to be wrong for saying that. The reason it's been written like that is to show that even somebody who is bisexual can be wrong about bisexuality and limiting other people to it. Exactly, which I I think is one of the things I really appreciate about the book is that it's basically saying there is no black and white in terms of sexuality and that's kind of the point. Yeah. And I, I think it does deal with some of that stuff really well. Yeah, I mean, you can tell that... Becky works with teenagers, mm-hmm. like who are and when LGBT you are a teenager and... who's trying to figure out what they are, even as an adult, when you're trying to yeah. figure out what you are, you're going to be wrong sometimes. God, you're not yeah. going to know, you know, and that's yeah. just the way it is. So I think as a character, mm. Lee was held up to too high a standard by a lot of people that went into the book. Yeah, I don't think like yes, she did come across as the really the, the cool friend that you mm. want to be friends with in Love Simon, whereas she's a real person with yeah. flaws. She's super and, complex. Yeah. I enjoyed the book. I think I do see how the book was kind of necessary. I think it stopped yeah. people being like looking at Leo with rose tinted glasses. Mm. Um but yeah, I think we can both agree it's no love Simon. No, it's not <laughs> nothing will be that though. There was just something about that I think that book came at, at such a time that it just had this spark to it. Yeah. There wasn't really anything else. There was a few LGBT YA books, but not yeah. a whole lot back yeah. then. Because so like, I, I remember getting a proof of Love, Simon way back in the day. I think I was in Macclesfield. I have... Yeah, I was pretty sure. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And, like, there wasn't that many LGBT books coming out, and it wasn't... It was branded as an LGBT, but it wasn't yeah. like, oh, my God, it's the new LGBT book of YA. It yeah. was just like, this is a really solid book. Yeah. And everyone seemed to really enjoy it when it first came out like that was sort of like the oh like they can be written this way that's amazing yeah so i just feel like there was just that spark missing that wasn't yeah i don't know i don't know how to put it into words no i completely get you though so good book yeah like i gave it three out of five stars like it was i think i gave it 3.5 yeah so yeah it was enjoyable it was readable yes very <laughs> readable um it'll be interesting to see if she goes back to that, that set of characters yeah and that set of characters i can't see her doing it for a while yet mm. though because i mean look, there was four years between Simon yeah. and Lee, so yeah it'll be interesting to see i've just realized that i totally forgot about a book that i <gasps> audio booked oh no because i don't think i added it to goodreads yeah i did i listened to they both die at the end Oh, fair enough. Did you like it? I've not read that one. I've only read History. I gave it three. Three out of five. Because History, I was... Annoyingly, I read it for book club and then had my gas exploding so I couldn't go to book club. Um, 
<laughs> so I totally forgot about it. Uh, it was all right. I felt like it was missing something. I don't... Uh, I've only read one of Silvera's books so well, far. Well, that's the only one I've really read. Hoping. We'll yeah. see. We'll see. Yeah, one. you read both die and I'll read History's All You Left Me and then we'll see how we yeah. feel. Yeah. Sorry, I just, like, it just occurred to me in the middle of that <laughs> sentence. So, um... Huh. Speaking of Becky Albertalli I mean, and Adam Silvera, that was a really good segue. <laughs> totally the reason that I did it. Completely and utterly. Totally meant to do that. Yep. But speaking of two of the biggest authors in contemporary YA at the moment, mm-hmm. Becky Albertalli and Adam Silvera, we have had the chance, or we will we'll, have, we will have. The, the interview will be put here, we haven't done it yet. But yes, we will be slash have interviewed uh, <laughs> Becky and Adam. Uh-huh. Um, we, so we just had a little bit of a... Like, when we found out there was a few Literally, I just... I was literally all caps to you being like, what? I don't think you believed me at No, I didn't. I got this. No, I didn't. <laughs> you were like... Hence like, why oh. my next message was then just exclamation points. <laughs> so, this is where <laughs> we will insert a very exciting interview. So, Enjoy. enjoy. It is very early on a Sunday morning, but we are joined by two very special guests. We have Becky Albertalli and Adam Silvera. I am motioning with my hands, you cannot see. Um, <laughs> I always the, do the that. usual thing that we tend to do and then remember. Um, we are beyond thrilled about having you guys on the podcast, so welcome to A Tale of Two Booksellers. Thank um, you so much, and we're huge fans of booksellers, so we're yay. extra excited. Yeah. We like hearing that. Thank you, <laughs> we do. Yeah. Um, we're just going to have got a few really quick questions for you uh, so we don't take up your time but thank you again for coming on the podcast and we'll start straight away so how did the idea to write a book together come about uh, did one of you suggest it to the other or did a publisher suggest it or yeah th- this was our own creative <laughs> endeavor uh, it, you know we were talking a couple months after um, we sold our debut novels and Becky was like sharing a story with me that was of a sort of like romantic misconnection variety and I had just sort of like jumped in response to her email to me and was mm-hmm. like how cool would it be if we like did a book like this together like YA. Yeah. And this was very very early in our friendship too like we had only been in touch like via email for a couple of weeks, like less than two mm. months. We'd never met in person, never talked on the phone. Uh, which, true, true yeah. internet friendship. Yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> yeah. Which I, you know, I yeah. always I speak to the power a lot oh, of, to like online friendships yeah. and how they are just as important as the IRL friendships, you know, because <laughs> um, it's it's yeah. true. We've met so many incredible people online who are just as important to us sometimes, if not more. Um, yeah. than people oh, we've yeah, met yeah. in real life. Yeah, some of my best friends and longest and oldest friends mm. are friends that I met online and then flew out to Canada to go and meet and we're still friends 20 years later. So yeah, I know it's, it's <laughs> incredible. Definitely about to be yeah. Friends, yeah. Definitely. yeah. So the spark almost, there's the natural spark between you guys and just like, let's do this together. Yeah, which so. <laughs> is so cool. I mean, the fact that we actually were able to pull it off um, <laughs> and it's a story that we are just as obsessed with um, as we were three years ago when we first came up with the original idea. Like, it's just very exciting. Arthur and Ben are very different kinds of characters. How did you go about creating their distinct personalities? Because obviously there's two of you writing it. How did you go, well, I want to write a character like this and so on? Yeah, I think a lot of that was really organic. You know, we um, created these characters and, and just sort of the creation of these specific characters, Arthur and Ben, came very, very early in the process for us. You know, so Arthur uh, was always mine and Ben was always Adam's. Throughout the process, you know, we came to realize that like we would need to know each other's characters very, very well um, yeah, because we write a lot of each other's characters yeah. in our scenes. But um, yeah, I think, you know, for both Arthur and Ben, I know we both drew a lot on our own experiences and just personalities. And, you know, so the, each character shares like certain characteristics um, with us um, and yeah and these are just their profiles we just kept building them over the years like it was we would email or text each other call each other like how cool would it be if like Ben did this how cool would it be if Arthur got up to this and we always kept them like in our emails and in more doc files and uh, I um, imagine by the end you had a lot of emails and a lot of files yeah (laughs) it's wild for sure Um, so in the book there are a lot of uh, first dates 
sort of do-overs between the two. Uh, where did this idea come from? Yeah. <laughs> so Be Becky, Becky pointed at me. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I honestly like, I would have to go through the emails to see what sort of sparked that thought, but like, I, I just remember, oh, I think a lot of it, it came down to want, you know, managing expectations and replicating the dates to, um, you know, fit this framework of like, oh, here's our epic love story, but it's like, oh, this kind, this this doesn't really feel like a proper first date for like our epic love story. Let's try it again, let's try it again, let's try it mm -hmm. again. And, uh, and I remember pitching that to Becky and Becky was like, yes, I love that. And, um, <laughs> and yeah, and, and we were so excited to plan these dates and our editors really loved the idea too they were like we're loving all the like the do-over dates and I'm halfway yeah. through the book I was hoping to finish it today but I haven't and I'm just like oh yes another date Ooh. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it just sounds like it's so much fun just getting to do your first date over and over again yeah. like just make it better every time again and again. Yeah. yeah and of course there's like a lesson to be learned there uh you know but it just um you know especially with like the pressures and um and allowing imperfections mm -hmm. but it's just so incredibly fun to put Arthur and Ben like in those different situations. Yeah, and I, I just like, I loved kind of how that played into the romantic arc with these two. Like, I, I don't think this is a spoiler. Like, I think it's pretty clear that like eventually these two boys like <laughs> do like figure it out. So like, you know, I, I think at one point when they're sort of like satisfied with how the date has gone, like, Ben says to Arthur, he's like second date Arthur, and like that line makes me, and it's like one of yeah. Adam's like Ben lines that it like makes me melt because it, it's just one of like those ones you're smiling at where it's just like, yeah, <laughs> it's just such a little thing. Like we have graduated to our second date, but it's such a big thing for these boys. Yeah. And that also like yeah. it, that wasn't even supposed to happen when it happened. Like we originally had more do-over dates planned and then we were just talking about it and it's, this goes to speak to writers who outline, you know, because we had outlined a lot for this book and um, and I was just sort of like, I'm kind of feeling like if we keep stretching this out that it's going to start, it's going to start losing a lot of its charm and, uh, and, I, and, and the, we had also just now in writing the boys had seen them reach this place where it an actual second date felt true to where they were in their arc and uh, mm -hmm. so yeah, that's the, it was really exciting. It was like, we yeah. Oh yeah, that was supposed to be the ending. Like once upon a time, that was the ending yeah. where we were like, yeah, and then they get their second date. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, but it's it's not the ending. It's not the ending <laughs> at all. Yeah. yeah. Are you working on anything you're allowed to tell our listeners about, or is it all still hush hush? Uh, for me, uh, unfortunately, it's hush hush. Yeah. Yeah. But I I have a fantasy book that's coming out. It's supposed to come out in January 2020. So. There will be no books from either of us in 2019. We can say that, but like, uh, um, I, so it's it's very queer. It um, revolves around these two brothers, and there are phoenixes and other creatures. And I've been wanting to write this book for about 10 years now. So I really want more queer fantasy. So it's, it is it is very very queer. Like I I I feel really sort of. Um, emboldened to go even queer with it because of the generous um, support uh, you know I've, I've felt from readers over the years mm -hmm. that I don't feel like I have to sort of make it feel like a closeted fantasy like it's it's very queer and exciting <laughs> and epic. I'm really excited. <laughs> um, we talk a lot on this podcast about what we've read what we've really really enjoyed um, so we're curious is there anything that you've read recently that you would like to tell our listeners about and shout from the rooftops? I, I am all speaking of queer fantasies I am <laughs> all about Black Wings Beating by Alex London. Um, Alex London is one of these genius writers who's been publishing long before publishing was very sort of um, inclusive of like diverse characters. He had a really incredible duology a few years ago called Proxy, um, the sequel Guardian, and it was like sci-fi dystopian. Yeah. I don't think it ever made it over here. Um, maybe not, it, which is a shame because yeah, it's a duology where even it. like the sequel is better than the first book and uh, it's um, it's a, like it should have been as big as Legend and Divergent, mm -hmm. like for sure. Um, but uh, Blackwing's Beating is this world where it's like set in a world of like falconry and it follows these twins, Kylie and Bryson. Um, Bryson is like so determined to prove himself um, as like a falconer and he's like embarking on this mission to trap this ghost eagle to pay off the debts of the boy he loves and Kylie is like trying to get out the business but she's dragged back in because of like her 
brothers like you know um journey and she also has this like mysterious ability that really that bryson would really appreciate having himself it's just it's so <laughs> great and it's a start it's the start of a trilogy so go find it it's so epic i think it should be like an hbo show too um one that i really loved recently was um nick stone's odd one out which um it, it let's see i don't know when uh the uk release date is i know i, think I know it came it's... out last week yeah. okay yeah the first one was was it dear martin yeah mm -hmm. yeah, yeah the same so, author yeah. as dear martin and um it is such a good book it it is about it's three points of view it's um you know ya uh, realistic contemporary you know so you have these three very distinct characters whose lives are uh, intertwined and, and um, there's just you know a lot of um, romantic tension that gets complicated and, and I think the thing that I would want uh, readers to know about it is you know sometimes I hear hear from people who um, just like passionately hate love triangles um, oh, not me <laughs> yeah yeah and I'm like this is this is the book then that I would challenge you to read because Ooh. it takes everything that you know about love triangles and subverts it so beautiful. It's brilliant. Like, it's <gasps> brilliant. So I'll I, add that to my list. Yeah, I mean, certainly <laughs> if you don't hate love triangles, also you should hate it. But, like, this, this is a, uh, this is, I would say, the love triangle book for people who hate love triangles. So, yeah. nice. Yeah. Note mate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm, like, dying to know, too. If, if you read it, and if it, like, you know, it doesn't have to make you love all love triangles, but, like, I... I like, it just sends you being like, yeah. I just, just want to know. <laughs> I, I, like, I honestly believe that, that this is a book that would appeal to people who think they hate this trope and think okay. they would hate I'm it every really time. I'm really curious now. Yeah. I have to go and find a copy. Yeah. Amazing. I think that's where we're yeah. going to yeah. wrap up. So we yeah. run out of time, but thank you so, so much, Becky and Adam, yeah. for coming on our little podcast. Thank you for having yeah. us. Yay, booksellers. Yeah. 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 Thank you so much. Yeah. Good luck with the event that will be happening shortly. Appreciate yeah. it. Thank you. Thank you. And yeah. thank you, everyone, for listening. And now back to the regular podcast. So that was our interview with Becky and Adam. And hopefully it was all very exciting. We don't know yet. We haven't done it yet. Who yeah. knows? Hopefully we didn't just like lose our shit halfway through no. and start like... <laughs> Really? We've been pretty professional. Yes. I mean, the only time we haven't been is like when I cried after I interviewed Maggie and I was, she was still in the room. Like, that's about as bad as it's gone. We've been pretty good. I think you were quite good at being like, at holding yeah. a lot of that I, in. I, you know, I interviewed her and then I cried. <laughs> so, we may or may not have cried. <laughs> so yeah, we now I'm going to talk about what books we're looking forward to reading probably for the rest of this yeah yeah i've kind of rounded it up for the year yeah might there's a slim chance we'll get chance to record but probably not, not knowing us so what are you looking forward to reading that's a very good question um so i wrote a blog post last month month before not sure that was basically entitled books i need to read before the end of the year and this is what i have left <laughs> of that list to read which is basically strange the dreamer by laney taylor uh, record of a space bomb few which i really can't believe i still haven't read <laughs> i am so bad i'm so bad i promise i'll read it soon and red rising because i can hear katie tutting in the distance right now <laughs> like, i've done really well to like avoid this conversation but i will i'm gonna read it i'm seeing her on wednesday um so i need to not mention it <laughs> but like those are the main books that i want to have read um, there isn't too much left to come out that I'm super interested in, but I'm I'm I've just done a massive cull of books. I'm trying not to buy too many books. I'm trying to read stuff I already have, in theory, so I can buy loads next year instead. And um, what are you planning on trying uh, to read? More than what you've got down. Um, well, I've sort of round it up because obviously I am Sarah J. Mash, just obsessed. I'm really looking forward to it because it's the <laughs> end of the Throne of Glass series. I'm not looking forward to it being the end of the series but I need to know what happens because we had Tower of Dawn which was the side book so I don't actually know what happens to Aelin and at the end of Empire of Storms it's a cliffhanger so that means there's two years <laughs> the, the insanity in her eyes the two insanity years in her eyes have to wait as to what's happened <sighs> deep breaths everybody anyway. deep breaths moving on I also 
also look bad. <laughs> I'm also probably going to read uh, Ship It by Bretta Linden. I want to read this so much. I have it at home. It was a total cover by. Oh I my bought God, the, yes, it's the beautiful, beautiful book. Um, I think I was, we were in the group chat, wasn't I? I was going, mm-hmm. guys, should I buy this? Because I was in Foils down in London and they're US imports. And I was like, guys, guys, look at this. And you were all just like, get it, get it. Yeah, I basically um, ordered it like the next week. So I was like, no, I need this too. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's been sat on my shelf. And I just, I really want to read it. It's one of those that I keep looking at mm-hmm. going, I really want to. And yeah. then just, it forget. So that uh, is on there. Uh, Vox by Christina Dolce, which is uh, like a dystopia. Yeah, kind of like I've handmaid's... seen a couple people reading it. Yeah, so it's meant to be like Handmaid's Tale meets The Power. So, oh, that's that's quite a big claim. Dystopian future, um, and women are alone, only allowed to say a hundred words a day, and every word over your hundred word limit, you basically you wear in a collar and you get an electric shock. From what I can tell, the women rise up. Gotta love a book where there's a good uh, female-led uprising. Oh, yes. So <laughs> I'll keep you updated on that. I also want to read Bridge of Clay by Marcus Zusak because I loved the book Thief. And I also want to read We Are Okay by Nina LaCour. Again, we bought it when I went down Yes, book I was fair. like, you need this. Put it in um, hands. Every single time somebody mentions it, it just seems to tick more boxes for things I like. It, yeah. So. You will read it so fast because you'll just be like, holy crap. That is on the shortlist mm-hmm. now. And we've picked our challenge book. Yes, we have. Which hopefully we will read before the I'm... interview that we have. you have already listened yes. to. <laughs> this is all in a really strange order. <laughs> yeah, we're going for What If It's Us by Becky Albertalli and Adam Solera. Yep. Stay tuned Very to find exciting. out what we thought about that. So hopefully we will have some other stuff to give you this year. But yeah. we are going to put together a little interview special episode because we've not been able to fit these interviews into other episodes for whatever reason. Yeah, I think because we have had about like a two, three month break. Yeah. This is where those interviews would have been. Yeah. Like one in each. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I think it makes sense to have like an end of year special. Yeah. we got some really awesome people. We've got interviews with Kemi Dawn Bowman and Alice Oseman, mm-hmm. uh, Sophie Anderson and Laura Wood. So yes. stay tuned. And that's like, Occasionally we get random ones, so there may be other, other or, stuff. Who, who knows? knows? So, yeah, stay tuned for that. Uh, if we get a chance to do a normal episode, then great. <laughs> but I think we're going to mm. try and record a mini one of books we're looking forward to next year. Because yeah. I think that was probably one of, I don't know about you, but one of my favourite recordings is talking about books yes. I'm looking forward to. Because so. you just get to trawl through the like yes. the next year's list. Blah, um, ha, ha. And also there's books that we've already read that aren't out until next mm-hmm. year. And it's like excited for other people to read them. Yes. So. so we're going to try and fit in as much as we can this year. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> Fingers crossed. But uh, until then, yeah, we'll see you next time. Indeed. Bye. Bye. Karu, do you really need to? <laughs> She's just in like the most precarious position at the moment. Just like, I'm going to put that cup on the floor. I'm going That's to be as involved in as it. possible. Good girl. Sorry, we're just having a break whilst Karu settles herself down. <laughs> Bees yep. knee. And don't often get cuddles with you, do I? No. Honestly, <laughs> you are such a terror. So Karu's so rolling cute. around and showing her belly and like, right under the tripod. <laughs> yeah, right underneath <laughs> what we're recording with. Um, <laughs> But yeah, she's basically decided that Fee is her best friend forever now. Yeah. <laughs> you finally know that I'm not a baddie.